Amen. A memorial is has the intended purpose of reminding us of something significant. Memorial Day originally started as Decoration Day when they decorated the the graves of the soldiers who died in the Civil War. And it has since continued on to what we now recognize and we decorate the graves of our loved ones. But the intended purpose of Memorial Day was to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who gave their lives for this country. Something that they believed in. It was more than just a land. They believed in an idea. And they were willing to sacrifice their very lives for this idea, the idea of freedom. And I think it's fitting that when we think about Memorial Day, that we also remember the most ultimate sacrifice that was made for us. And that sacrifice was made by a righteous man, God as in the flesh, one who had never sinned but was willing to step in our place because we were sinners and we had no hope of going to heaven. We had no hope of eternal life without Him. Knowing this, He willfully laid down His life for your sins and for my sins. He paid the ultimate price. Not only was He willing to die for our sins, but He was willing to take on the wrath of God for our sins. You and I know very little about the wrath of God because of the grace of God. The wrath of God is unbearable for humans. And Jesus Christ willfully stepped in our place and died for us. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, we begin with the text that says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As we stand this Memorial Day and we talk about the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid, we have to talk about the benefits of that sacrifice. To truly memorialize the Lord Jesus Christ, which we should at least every Sunday, but I would venture to say that we should memorialize Him every day of our lives. We should preach the gospel to ourselves every day of our lives. There are many many benefits to His ultimate sacrifice being applied to our lives. For those of us by faith who realized that we were sinners, that we had no hope without God, we had no hope without Christ, we could not do right according to the Word of God. Even if we tried, we could not do right. And those of us by faith realized that we were sinners, we turned from that sin We repented of their sins and we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for us. Not just to saying, oh, I believe there's a God. I believe there is a Christ. I believe that, yeah, Jesus lived. I'm talking that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sins. And I'm willing right now to forsake all my attempts at being righteous. I'm willing to forsake all of that sin And I'm willing to turn to Him in belief, believing by faith alone that Jesus Christ died for me. And when we did that, we were born again. We were born again and being born again means that we became a new person 
in Christ Jesus. I don't think we talk enough about this new person in Christ Jesus in our churches. We, we, uh, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but we, we don't want to, to come to what the Scripture says with the grips that I should be a new person in Christ Jesus. I am not perfect, but I'm not living under the rule of sin. I'm not living under the dominion and bondage of sin and the devil any longer. I'm now a child of God living as a child of God. A saint through Jesus Christ. Because of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid for us and our faith in Him, we have been justified. The word justified means that we have been declared righteous. Even while we are still here in this human body and we still have the propensity to sin, God has declared us righteous because of our faith in Christ. And there is no scripture that teaches that God declares us unrighteous. Once you are declared righteous by God, you are declared righteous. And it only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And now we have peace with God, the Bible says, through Jesus Christ. The world is at enmity with God. The Bible teaches us that. And when you and I were without Christ in our lives, when we were without that new birth, when we were without that salvation, we were enemies of God. And we needed to be made at peace with God. I can remember some of the old timers talking about someone on their deathbed and they would talk about someone who was converted, who had received Christ as their Savior as being at peace with God. I've made peace with God. May I ask you, what price can you put on peace? But not only do, are we justified and have peace with God, we have access by faith into this grace and we stand. Present tense, we stand, we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for us, we stand in a place of being declared righteous in that, through grace, we can rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Because of the death of Christ and the ultimate sacrifice that He paid, we should rejoice. That's why we sing songs. The reason we sing songs in our worship service is to glorify God, to memorialize God for what His wonderful plan of salvation is, to glorify Him for His life-giving, His everything, who He is, our God. We glorify Him and we rejoice in the hope. And remember, hope in the Bible is not what we think hope is today. Today we think hope is kind of like a wish. It's not. Hope in the Bible is an expectant confidence. We have that expectant confidence that God will in fact reveal His glory to us. We will see Him. We will be with Him. So we memorialize the Lord. When we stand and sing the songs, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood we're memorializing Jesus Christ. 
When we sing all the praise songs, when we sing all the songs that we sing, we are memorializing the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done. We, we don't have a physical wall. I am thankful that in our nation's capital we have a, a wall, a beautiful wall, that memorializes those who died in the Vietnam War and, and various other walls. I am thankful for that. I think we need more of that. And less uh, political figure statues and less uh, sports statues. But every time we stand in this church, every time we open the Word of God, every time we share our faith with someone else, every time we let our lights shine, we are memorializing Jesus Christ for what He has done for us. Verse 3 tells us of some of the not so good parts. That we, from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it is very good. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation works or produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Sometimes we have to go through tribulations, perseverance, so that our character is built, so that we have hope. Because we might not have hope had we not had to go through it. When I was a kid, I loved winter. I loved snow. Up and into my early uh, 20s, I loved snow. Something happened at 50. I hate winter. After Christmas and deer season, man, it can go right into summer. Hallelujah. But you know what I've realized? For me to be able to enjoy spring, I've got to go through the winter. Sometimes for us to be able to enjoy good health, we have to go through bad health. Sometimes for us to be able to enjoy our family, we have to go through some family difficulties. Why is that so? I'll tell you why it's so. Because God loves you. And He knows that you still have two natures dwelling in your chest. And He knows that the one you feed is the one you will respond to. And God loves us too much to allow us to go down the path. I'll be totally honest with you. I came with every intention this morning to preach. Despise not the chastening of God in Hebrews where we are. And overwhelmingly, God changed my message. And I will tell you this, after having studied this, I do not stand before you and tell you that any of this tribulation, any of the chastisement that we'll go through, any of this producing of of perseverance and all this building of character is pleasant, I will tell you it's not. I will tell you that what is important is the outcome. Do you realize that you and I are the hands and feet of of God right now on on this earth? We are the body of Christ. Church, you and I are the body of Christ. We are the vehicle here in this dispensation that we're in of spreading the gospel. It's not the evangelist's responsibility. It's not the internet's responsibility. It's our responsibility, the church, one by one. And I will tell you, 
That if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ, the scriptures teach us that you will be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what this process is. The tribulations that we have to endure is the producing of the perseverance and building the character. What's character? I believe character, real genuine character is the fruit of the Spirit. And the the Lord is working in us because of His death, His burial and His resurrection. He is purging us. He is bringing us to the place where we represent Him and we fully reflect the light of Jesus Christ. I am sorry that even in my own life as a pastor and leading a church, we have tried programs We've tried all these things to appear to be spiritual at the expense of what God wants to do in our lives to genuinely make us Christ-like. I'm sorry in Christianity we've made it so easy, so simple as saying a prayer and then just going on and living however you want. I'm sorry that it's become that. I'm sorry that we haven't been more diligent to understand that it is the life that's lived like Christ, that best memorializes Christ. I'm sorry that Christianity has become about numbers and about relevance. By the way, I say this as in all sincerity, there is nothing more relevant than the Scriptures today, if you understand what relevance means. I'm saying... That because we've been justified, because of the death of Jesus Christ, the burial and the resurrection and our faith in Him, He will, He will conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. As Brother Eugene sang, the love of God. And I love that. It talks about if, uh, if we would write the love of God in the skies and every, uh, the, the skies were parchment and the, the quill was full, the ocean waters, it would drain the ocean waters dry. The immensity of the love of God for us. And we know this love of God because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He lives inside of us. It is a, he was given to us a gift. Because look at verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't that God looked at you and saw... Your intelligence, your morality, it was none of that. Your social status, your any of that. It's that God looked at you and saw your sinfulness, who you really were. Who you can even hide yourself from people on the outside, but God sees your heart. That's love. As a matter of fact, he says in verse 7, 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. And perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But in contrast to someone saying, well, I'll die for a good person or a righteous person. Jesus dies for the wicked sinner. And before you came to Christ, you were a wicked sinner. Well, preacher, I didn't do all these gross sins. Let me tell you, you were a wicked sinner. And the scripture says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you decided to live right. Not when you decided to turn over a new leaf. Not when you decided I'm going to go to church and I'm going to give and I'm going to do all that. All those things are good things, but none of that will take you to heaven. None of that will make you born again. Only faith in Christ will make you born again. He said, when you were at your worst, he was at his best. If you were to go to Washington, D.C. and you were to look on the wall, and it's a magnificent wall of all the names of those who died, I would venture that everyone on that wall, men I do not know, died and they did not know me. Because many of them died before I was even born. And it blows my mind how Men, and I, I, I believe it, I, I'm, a, I'm a staunch supporter of our military. I, I believe, matter of fact, I'm so much so. Hear me out, parents. If, if I had my way, every one of our kids would do a tour in the military. Mandatory like Israel. I hated basic training. I laid in bed at night thinking, what in the world did I get myself into? But now I look back some 30-some years, 40 years, I don't even know how long ago it was. A long time ago. And I remember the things... That it did to my life and my character that was important. And these men paid an ultimate sacrifice to have a country where we have freedoms to where I can stand behind this sacred desk and I can open this sacred book and I can tell you the glorious truths of God. But what amazes me more than that is Jesus Christ knew me before I was born. He knew everything I would ever say, think, and do, and yet He still was willing to die. For me. He was willing to take my punishment on himself. Voluntarily laid down his life. No one can take his life. He's God. But he voluntarily laid down his life for you and for me. And verse 9 says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath Through Him. Because Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and He paid the ultimate sacrifice, dying for your sin and my sin, those of us that believe we do not have to fear the wrath of God because we've been saved from it. You and I know nothing about, nothing about the wrath of God. I was asked to come to the school. They have a Civil Wars Day, and I was asked to speak about the role of chaplains in the Civil War. And I began to study, and as I began to study, I saw something that was 
uh, just really shocking. When you study about the Civil War, it's not as simple as North versus South. In the midst of the Civil War, there were brothers fighting on opposite sides. Cousins fighting on opposite sides. Best friends separated. And it really is gruesome. Please forgive me, I don't remember the exact amount. I think it was like 560 some thousand Dried, died, excuse me, died in the Civil War. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I was asking the kids, let me ask you, I asked the kids to raise their hand. I said, let me, how many of you have a, a best friend? And they raised their hands. I said, how many of you love your best friend more than anything? And they raised their hand. And I said, how would you feel if you were sitting beside your best friend? You're just sitting there talking and all of a sudden a bullet hits your best friend in the head. He falls in your lap and he's dead. How would that make you feel? And that make you feel sad. One little fellow said, man, that would be hell, wouldn't it? I said, yes, war is hell. They glorify it in television, but war is hell. You ask any of our veterans that fought in the Vietnam War, they will tell you it was hell on earth. As a matter of fact, those Vietnam veterans that are alive today are suffering serious health complications because of the hell. And I will tell you this. The hell of war is nothing compared to the wrath of God. The wrath of God. And brothers and sisters, I tell you this, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I don't have to face the wrath of God. I know you know this, but the whole point of a memorial is to be reminded of it. To be reminded of it. I have to confess... I thought the greatest way to conclude our service was to have communion. And I went down to open the communion packets and get them out only to discover that they were outdated. And I opened a cup and smelled it and it was, whew. And we don't do real wine here. I think it had fermented. And uh, so, I'm sorry. I take blame responsibility for that. But I want to tell you this, church. It's good for us to come to this place where we stop everything and we pause for a few moments and we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. We've been saved from God's wrath. Jesus was in the garden. He's praying, let this cup pass by me. And and the Bible says He's praying and as He's praying, He's sweating great drops of blood. There's an actual physical condition called hematidrosis. I don't want to get into that. But here's the point I want to make. The point I want to make is this. Jesus wasn't asking, let this cup pass by me because He was afraid of what they were going to do to Him, beating Him and hanging Him on the cross. How do I know that? Because Jesus told the disciples, don't fear what men can do to you. Fear the one who can damn your soul. Jesus and His stress was taking on the wrath of God. The Father whom he was one with turning his back on the Son as the Son received the full blunt of the wrath of God for you and for me. How dare we so flippantly talk about the Lord Jesus Christ? How dare we so even ever even 
memorialize Him, read His Word, or worship Him, or serve Him. Verse 10, For if we were, were when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Listen to me. There's one thing that has changed the game forever. That's the death of His Christ, of His, of His Son on the cross. As so much as we mark time by it, B.C. And A.D., which means, I'm interpreting for you, in the year of our Lord. When I first went to Israel, I, I heard someone talking about the uh, common era. What, what's that? What they're doing is those who do not believe in the Lord are trying to change from B.C., to now you'll see, and you'll start seeing probably in the school system, you'll see them in the books before long. It will not be B.C. any longer. The dates will be uh, common error. But let me just, just, let me just make one point here. You can change the definition if you want to, but you can't change the truth of the fact of the matter. There's an empty grave. And it was when He came out of the grave and we believed in Him, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now listen to me. I I think we need to recapture church language. Anybody else with me? We've got all these new terms. Christ followers and all that. I I get it. We are Christ followers. Well, how about we just talk about Christian? Doesn't Christian mean Christ? It means a Christ follower, right? How about a disciple? Why don't we use that? And how about we recapture the word saved? Amen. Saved. We've been saved. That's a Bible word. That's a church word. We've been reconciled, but not only we've been reconciled, but we are saved. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. We don't have to worry about wrath. We don't have to worry about hell. We are saved. And verse 11 says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Past tense. Oh, friend, let me tell you. Today is the day that you and I can remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. You and I can stop our busyness and we can take just a few moments today and we can be thankful for Jesus Christ paying the ultimate sacrifice, dying in my place, Dying in your place. And when you by faith have believed in Him, you are justified. You're declared righteous by God. You are reconciled to God. You are saved from the wrath of God. You're going to have tribulations. And you're going to have, you're going to have testings. But that's building perseverance in you. And that perseverance is building your character That character is the fruit of the Spirit. Because ultimately God says, I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to allow you to remain the way you are. You and I need to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So let's rejoice.
in the Lord. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.